Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What is going on, Hoopball Clipper Nation? Brandon Marcus here. Pleasure to have you listening to this episode of the Hoopball Clippers podcast with Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film. I know I promised it last week. Things got crazy, but he is back on this podcast. A great conversation with him that spans about 40 minutes. And we talk all things Clippers. We discuss the collapse, how this is different than 2015. Where do the Clippers go from here? We dissect parts of the roster and we get into some NBA Finals talk as well about who we want and who is the best matchup to take down those Lakers. Because more than likely than not, if you're listening to this podcast, you want the Lakers to lose and suffer the same fate as the Los Angeles Clippers. Before we get to Justin, though, support for Hoopball is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know that sometimes you want to use your scissors maybe to trim down there. You may even use your scissors to trim an extra whisker or two that's sticking out in your beard. Well, why not go to one of the best electric trimmers in the game. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created, just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. They reduced those manscaping accents, which I know we have all had before, thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. This is a premium offer. When I say premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can use a USB to charge, so it doesn't need to be that three-prong outlet. Manscaped is making it easy for you. And of course, water-resistant technology means you can bring it in the shower and be safe. And of course, you have that light that makes sure the LED light, which illuminates the grooming areas, for a nice closer shave. 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Let's go talk some hoops with Justin Wilson. All right, I said I was going to bring him on last Sunday. I apologize. I apologize. It's been rough for the two of us, to say the least. I did the podcast with Andrew Greif a couple of days before. That was kind of a season recap. And I thought I was going to bring on Justin to discuss the Western Conference Finals on that Sunday. Um, And then I lied. I I lied. Uh, I gave myself some time to step away from basketball and podcasting about the Clippers. I needed just a couple of days. Uh, But Justin Wilson is back at LA Clippers Film. He was with us throughout the entire playoffs on Sundays, and he joins us now. Justin, we haven't chatted since that loss Oh, man. Uh, how are you right now? Because it, it still sucks. I mean, I think as long as this season is going on and as long as the Lakers are still going, I think it's still going to suck. 
Yeah, I mean, to say it sucks is kind of um, an understatement for me. It's just, um, honestly, it's awful. Every time I think about the um, the the way the season ended, I get incredibly disappointed. Um, this was a team that I had such high hopes for. I was so confident in them, so irrationally high on them, and... It's it's just sucks to see the way that these guys flamed out and um, yeah I'm in I'm I can't help but feel a massive sense of disappointment over how this season ended and given the fact that we don't even know when the next season is gonna start it it, it just makes it all the more worse because I'm already ready to get this taste out of my mouth yeah I don't blame you and I think what makes it even worse which we didn't know was possible is you watch the Lakers just dismantled Denver. And let's be honest, I mean, if Anthony Davis doesn't hit the three-pointer in game two, then after three games, it's Denver 2-1, and this is a completely different series. So it's very possible it could have been much closer. But you look at Lakers in five, and you say to yourself, I mean, come on. All the Clippers had to do was win one of the final three games to set up Lakers-Clippers. And let's be honest, I mean, the way the Clippers were playing and the way that the rotations were going – I don't think the Clippers would have beaten the Lakers, honestly, just because you saw when LeBron James needed to stop Jamal Murray, he did. And I just feel like he would have done the same thing if he needed to against the Clippers. But that being said, I mean, it stripped us of Lakers Clippers. Like you said, the expectations coming in when you get Kawhi Leonard, you get Paul George, you immediately think championship because this, listen, this franchise has gone through hell and back. And to get those two players that are top 10 players in the NBA with Kawhi being one of the top two or three players in the NBA just depends on the day, honestly, when you want to put him with Giannis and LeBron, then you have high expectations. You have hopes and and dreams for a team that never gets to go very far. And then you have COVID happen. And then that stops the season. And you say, okay, right, great court. Here, this is what's going to happen. You know, the Clippers are going to go. They're going to win the title. No one's going to be able to celebrate. But little did we think that the Clippers wouldn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. And here we are. And I think it's more to me. I don't know if this is the same for you. It's more just the way it happened. I mean, to go up 3-1, to show you're the better team, and then to collapse the way you did and not even give us a chance to see Lakers Clippers. To me, that's the worst part about it. Yeah, I mean, to that point, the worst part about it is that I'm 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 going to be alone here, but I felt like the Clippers up until game five looked the part of a title contender. Up until that point, the Clippers had Jamal Murray bottled up. Paul George was playing exceptional defense on him. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both had fantastic game fives. And I thought they had a real chance of beating the the Lakers and definitely had a real chance of beating whoever came out of the East, whether that been the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat. So that part is what hurts the most, is that you're looking at a team that, to me, easily had a real shot at winning the title. And I flash back to 2015 against the um, Rockets when we had that collapse. Um, I've kind of come to terms with that just simply because I never felt like we were going to beat the Warriors um, without home court that year. So I, I kind of like, um, I kind of come to terms with that, but this is different. This is different just because, you know, you, you don't, you don't have that many chances 
where you are prohibited title favorites. I mean, everybody coming into the bubble had the Clippers pegged as the title, as the um, as the champs. And, you know, you can't you can't just throw those away because who knows what will happen next year. You know what I mean? Um, Kawhi Leonard was load man. I mean, he, he was on injury management this year. But aside from that, he was relatively healthy. Who knows if that um, who knows if that continues next year? Um, the championship field gets a little bit more crowded with teams like the Warriors and potentially the Brooklyn Nets coming into coming into play and. And who knows what the roster will look like for the Clippers next year. So um, you just don't want to take for granted these chances. You don't want to throw chances like these away. And I feel like the Clippers just threw a golden opportunity to win their first championship, let alone make their first Western Conference Finals. So all around disappointment, but more so just because they really threw away a real chance at winning a title. And you can even take that to a micro level and you look at game six and game seven when we when we were talking it's you don't want to send it to a game seven because anything can happen you can have any player step up you can have performances like Kawhi and pg did have where they were absolutely horrendous that can happen in a game seven and to a macro level like you were discussing Kawhi's health pg's health you don't know if zoo for example will stay healthy and we saw what happened when he was off the floor for the clippers the clippers like you said i mean they when it got to the postseason they had the relative health there's no doubt about it the issue is that the chemistry wasn't there they only played together 19 times when they had everybody healthy and that clearly showed and you it's interesting because i'm not sure that the Clippers would have beaten the Lakers. And I understand the Clippers were better than the Lakers and I think three out of the four games during the regular season. But it would have worried me with Anthony Davis going up against the bench lineup. I think that would have been a problem. I think that would have been a problem with the LeBron James going up against the bench lineup. But I just think the bench got exposed in a big way during the postseason in both the Dallas and the Denver series. So I'm not sure they would have won. And, and I would have gladly taken the loss to Denver, I mean, to the Lakers versus the loss of Denver, just because the Lakers fans can rag on you for losing to a team that they destroyed as opposed to just beating you hands down. And it, you and I were talking right before we started this pod that Twitter is really a cesspool of shit right now. I mean, it really is that simple. I mean, between what's going on politically and what's going on in the basketball world with the Lakers versus the Clippers in L.A., and this is just the one thing we wanted, man. This is the one thing we wanted in 2020 was a chance to get that NBA Finals trophy. Just, just a chance to get that. And we were stripped of it. And now, where do we go from here? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing now because I think you and I can agree that Doc will be back. I don't think that's really up for discussion. The one thing that's kind of been making the rounds recently – First of all, there's been a lot of rumors going around and people talking to the media when they really should not be talking to the media. But I want to talk about PG because you were pretty strong in your defense of PG on Twitter because there are people who are saying that, hey, maybe PG is not the guy that you pair with Kawhi. Tell me why you think that PG is the guy. Um, For starters, you know, Twitter is a cesspool of shit <laughs> and um, – you know, it's uh, something like Paul George. When whenever you're talking about Paul George, he's become so polarizing um, that I don't know if you can have the conversation 
for with regarding Paul George on Twitter. But Paul George is a guy who averaged 22 a game this year in 29 minutes. And the year before, he was an MVP candidate. And his high moments in the playoffs this year were fantastic. I'm not willing to throw that away because he had an uneven performance in a bubble five months after the season started amidst a coronavirus pandemic. It just seems incredibly premature and a tad bit irrational given how good, talented, long, and big Paul George is. Like, Six nine wings that can shoot forty percent from three while being an elite defender don't grow on trees. And I think if you're looking at things that may need to be improved upon, um, you would start outside of Kawhi and PG. Now that doesn't excuse Paul George from his low points in in the bubble. He had some really 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 cringy moments in the bubble, but. He even said it himself. He was dealing with some mental health struggles, and I'm not going to be dismissive of that. I mean, that if he says that's what he was going through, that's what he was going through. But even with that, um, I think people have the, – the pendulum has swung way too far on Paul George, and people ignore his great performances, and they exacerbate his poor performances as a means to prove a point, which I'm not sure is entirely accurate. But – much like with anything in life, um, there's a lot of gray. It's not black and white. Um, could have could Paul George have been better in the bubble? Absolutely. But the reality is they were in a bubble. They were in a bubble, and that type of context affects different players in different ways. And so I would love to see a regular season in arenas with typical travel before I come to a conclusion about Paul George's Clipper tenure, because up until the season stoppage in, um, in March, he was fantastic. You just can't find guys that give you the type of production on both ends that Paul George does. So um, I, I, I've seen those rumors and, you know, I, I just, I roll. There's no way I'd move Paul George unless something incredibly enticing came across the desk for me. I agree with you, by the way. I, I, I just don't know what the point of making that deal would be. I mean, if you got an elite point guard, perhaps, if you were able to get Giannis, obviously, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. It, it just doesn't make sense. These two guys paired up for a reason. They both wanted to come back and play in California. I mean, they, they did this stuff for a reason. And it, it's interesting because you would think, by the way, I'm taking a quick U-turn. Did you happen to listen to Kevin Durant on JJ Reddick's podcast at all? I did. Did you, I did. did you hear I his did. sudden, his like very subtle hint about possibly teaming up with somebody? And then it kind of seemed like he was maybe going to team up with Kawhi in LA, but he turned that part down. I, I forget exactly what he said, but in that moment, he said something about teaming up with a player and how Kyrie was already set basically in New York and he was looking at the bigger markets. I th- and he, it kind of sounded like to me that he thought about coming to L.A. Did you take that at all from that conversation? Well, kind of, but I'm almost certain that that's, that came out when it happened. Yeah. Um, back, back, in, back in, during last summer, 
um, KD was approached by Kawhi to join him with the Clippers. And that was the thing that made Kevin Durant pause and think about it um, before ultimately joining the Nets. So that's something that um, I think that's something that um, uh, I think it was discussed, but I don't think it was ever confirmed by either party. So just to hear it from them, I mean, because there's a lot of shit that gets thrown out there and, and stuff that you can believe or don't believe. I mean, there's even stuff that during that conversation, Kevin Durant's like, that's a load of shit that never happened. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, like, that's completely false. And like in terms of Kevin Durant's considering the Knicks, he's like, I was never considering them. That, that like that was not an option. Yeah, I, and, and I remember that. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where just hearing it from him was interesting. Uh, so now the question is, what do you do? Because if you're going to keep Paul George and you're going to keep Kawhi Leonard, which obviously makes sense, I, I, just, I just don't know what this team can do based on financial flexibility because they'll have the full mid-level exception, which I believe is about $8 million. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what I saw about 8.5. And you have the Harrell question mark. That's really an enormous question mark. You need a backup point guard. And, and frankly, it could be a starting point guard. Whether it's a guy like Goran Dragic, for example, you need a starting point guard. And I think you need a backup big that you can trust. But at the same time, and I was talking to Andrew about this, you don't want the backup big to be somebody that steals minutes away from Zoo. And that's what you got with Harrell when he played 18 straight minutes and kept Zoo on the bench. So I don't know who that guy is, but I think you need a backup big that you can trust to back up Zoo and not replace Zoo. And you need a point guard that's going to run the offense. Because as good as Pat Beverly is, you need somebody else that's more of a facilitator. What do you think? Um. So... I, I look at I, they were second in the West this year. They were top five on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So so, you know, I know I know it's incredibly emotional the way that the Clippers ended the season, but the reality is is that they're close. They're close, and they really just need to shore up certain things around the edges. Um, I'm in agreement with the um, backup center position. Um, I'm also in agreement. I mean, I'm I'm in agreement in a sense that they also could use some some more talent as far as a backup point or a starting point guard. But I'm not sure if that guy is going to be available yeah. as far as a point guard that's better or guard that's better than the trio that they have of Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Landry Shamit. Right. So. I, I don't I don't know if I don't I, I like I've seen some people throw around the name Jeff Teague. And it's just like you got that or Chris Dunn. Like, does that make does that make the Clippers better? I'm not sure. I'd probably lean. No, I think on the Um, bench, if the bench, it might. I I think you really do need a true point guard in in the sense you need somebody that's not going to be a guy like Reggie Jackson, for example. I don't think Reggie Jackson is a guy that you're going to want running your offense in the playoffs. Because I think now it's really not about the regular season, Justin. I mean, like this team is clearly a very good regular season team. I mean, when guys are not playing 40 minutes a game, then the Clippers are fine. I mean, the Clippers bench is better than other benches. It's just that they didn't have their bench going up against Jokic and Murray during the regular season. And that's what happened in the playoffs. So that's the different animal here. They're a really good regular season team. It's more about looking ahead of the postseason and what you need. And I think when you have a guy like Pat Beverly that goes and picks up six fouls in 20 minutes, you need someone you can trust to run the offense. And you can't have that burden be on Kawhi and PG. You need to have someone you can trust. So that that's where I think 
maybe a guy like Teague or Chris Dunn could be useful in that sense. I believe the Clippers would be in trouble if they were leaning on Chris Dunn to run a run the run a unit in the playoffs. That's just my that's the like if Chris Dunn is who we're looking at. I mean, I think if I don't have the numbers in front of me, I think he shot like twenty five percent from three. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't very good. Three. He wasn't very good. Right, and like I I as a Trey Young stand, I watched Jeff Teague the entire second half of the year when yeah. he played behind Trey Young. And like those are fine options, but like for instance, I, I you threw out the name Gordon Grodgers, right? Yeah. If we were able to get that absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that's that's in, that would be an incredible upgrade, you know. Um I I just don't know if the actual upgrade that's going to make our results better out there. And as a result of that, my focus has been on the backup center position because that's a position that the Clippers, I truly, truly, truly believe, um, can address. There's multiple guys out there that they can use to address. And I, this is a bit of recency bias, but the on-off numbers from Trez and Zoo guarding Jokic was so bad that I'm going to call a spade a spade. It essentially costed the Clippers a series, right? Like, like as bad as the playmaking was, they were fine when Zoo was on the floor guarding Jokic. They were fine when Zoo was on the floor against the Mavericks. What they weren't fine with was Trez because he is hemorrhaging points on one end while also not being able to space the floor on the other end causing multiple problems in the playoffs. So for me, I'm looking at Serge Ibaka. I'm looking at Tristan Thompson. Um, I'm looking at Aaron Baines. Um, I'm looking at people like that that can come in. And and I'm fine if they challenge Zoo for minutes, if it's deserving. Um, I also believe that Zoo is ready to be a full-time starter as far as minutes are concerned. And given the way Doc treated him in the playoffs, I think that at least at the start of next season – We'll be looking at Zoo playing fourth quarter minutes. We'll be looking at him playing 25, 28 minutes a night, hopefully. Um, but, but, read, but, you know, the thing is, we also have Jamichael Green there. If we can retain him, that can play some five. So, really, I think we just, we really do need to solve that backup five issue, um, especially if Jamichael Green doesn't return, which I'm hopeful that he will. And, as far as the backup guard position, I'm in agreement that it could be better. I just don't know how um, realistic it is that it will be. Because, like I said, if if Chris Dunn is the best option, we are probably more we're probably more apt to just see if Landry Shamit can have some development and he can have some positive regression for next season or or something like that. Yeah, and, and to your point. Uh, so, by the way, just to clear this one up, you don't think Trez should come back? <laughs> um uh I'm, I'm i don't want to go on too big of a tangent on trez i'll just say that it was incredibly obvious way before the playoffs started way before the pandemic hit the nba mm-hmm. that this could be a real issue in the playoffs it was a real issue in the playoffs against the warriors last year and you know six seven centers whose greatest attributes are motor and energy don't fare well come playoff time. And that's exactly what the case was. And I really think 
Trez came into this season being typecasted as a defender. I don't know where that notion came from. Um, he's been a bad defender from the moment he played with the Clippers. Um, and that being said, he's talented. He's talented and he's a bucket getter um, over the course of 82 games. But come playoff time, when you've got to play good teams every night, in which um, teams are scouting against Trez and they are playing as hard as Trez is, that's a neutralizer. And for somebody whose greatest asset uh, is energy, that's a killer. So I don't think he should come back. And if he, there's no price that there, his value is low, but there's no, there's no price that I would want Trez back. Yeah, I think what I said to it's what I said to Andrew. Sorry to interrupt. Is that I think the bigger mm-hmm. thing is. I first of all, I enjoy Montrez Harrell as a player. He was very fun to watch. His energy was contagious on the floor. I just don't think he fits with this team. And more importantly, I mentioned this earlier. And to your point, in terms of what price and how there really is no price, I don't think there's a price. Even if you gave him a dollar, I don't think it would make sense because it just means more minutes that could be stolen away from Zoo. Well, and that's not to um, and not to mention that you know. I, I'm, it's neither here nor there, but I'm not so sure that the chemistry issues with the Clippers um, are aren't tied to him either. I'm not. I'm not accused. I have no way of knowing these things, obviously. Right. Um, but but in Chris Haynes' piece, um, he's arguing with um, he's arguing with Paul George on the bench and things like that. And given his production. Um, I know he won the sixth man of the year award and he helped us win some games in the regular season. I'm just not sure um, if from a fit perspective, talent perspective, um, chemistry perspective, I'm not sure if he's just the right guy for, for this Clipper team moving forward. And if they could just snag literally any competent big Nerlens Noel, even if they could just find any competent big with size that can just hold the fort down until zoo comes back in for his second shifts, then we, we would be fine. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't even think him coming back is a necessary need. And if we bring him back, um, that's a sign of uh, that's trouble. Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at my bookie. If you were following the Hootball Gaming account yesterday, or Dan, you got yourself some money, and you're asking me how? How is that possible? How did Dan make almost a hundred dollars yesterday? Well, my bookie made sure that they gave you odds boost for so many different plays yesterday i mean they were going college football all over the place even an nfl one that took place today my bookie when they say when they say they want to give you some money when they say it's easy when they say you bet you win they pay they're not kidding we want you to sign up at my bookie because if you missed out on yesterday's odds boost my bet is there's going to be another one around the corner. There was one before the first game of the NFL season that had, I believe it was Kansas City plus 54, which means they just needed to cover by 54 points. That was obviously going to happen. Okay, my bookie. How do you sign up? Very easy. You go over to my bookie and enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That is the promo code HOOPBALL. They'll match your deposit 100%, okay? So not only are you going to throw in money that you're going to be able to grow because of these bets that they throw out there, but they're also going to match your deposit to give you even more money to do it, okay? MLB postseason is starting, okay? NFL is underway. 
College football, SEC is back. The Pac-12 is around the corner. The Big Ten is around the corner. Premier League is going on. Baseball, basketball, the NBA Finals, all over the place. So many different sports that you can bet on. And my bookie wants you to take advantage of their deposit match of 100%. Remember, all you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. By the way, Noel would be an awesome backup. He he was solid with the Thunder. He's a guy that just racks up steals and blocks and just is a good defensive presence and doesn't need to do much offensively, which is quite the opposite of Harrell where he gets the ball and he really was the second unit along with Lou. Um, by the way, to our point guard conversation, undraft or unrestricted free agents, Jeff Teague, Drogic, Brandon Knight, Jordan Clarkson, Della Vadova, Van Fleet, which is going to be way too much money, DJ Augustine, uh, Dunn's a restricted free agent, Yogi Farrell. Berea, Carter-Williams, Napier, it's ugly. It, it really is ugly in the back of the point guard market. And that's precisely my point. I mean, DJ Augustine would be nice, um, but none of those guys are like, if, like, for instance, if they're taking up the back, back, if they're taking up the back, backup point guard minutes, yeah. are we sitting here saying, that's it? That's what's going to propel them over the, the Lakers in the championship? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to, as opposed to, um, we have the data. We have the data um, that tells us how bad and how detrimental Trez's minutes have been to the Clippers all season long, especially in the bubbles. So, I mean, you know, the Clippers can do some internal development things, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that makes them more playoff ready. In addition to moving on from Trez and finding a competent backup center, I would love to see them treat the regular season with a bit more urgency. You don't want to go overboard, but I do think that um, putting a heavier workload on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George um, to simulate playoff reps. I mean, they were injured too this year, so that that kind of um, helped hurt things, especially Paul George. But if you can find a way to just get a heavier workload on these guys just to like bring them along get them more regular season reps so but that by the playoffs we're not asking them to play 40 minutes after they've averaged 29 the entire season but that just goes to a bigger issue that i think the clippers could address as far as internally is just approaching the regular season with a little bit more fervor just a little bit more yeah and that means playing zoo in fourth quarters and and that that, that means doing things that you are going to do in the playoffs. Because I think that's one thing right, that they did during the right, regular season. Right. Is they didn't really do much in the regular season to simulate what it would be like in the playoffs. And then you go and you throw these guys into roles that they're not used to, and that's when you run into problems. So you bring up a good point there. It really is more of doing something where you get these guys accustomed to the roles they're going to play when basketball actually matters in the postseason. And to your point, I mean, this offseason very well could be a guy like Landry Shamit working with a Sam Cassell during the entire offseason and getting better as a backup point guard. And who knows if Tyron Lue gets a job or not. He works with Tyron Lue to be a backup point guard. I mean, it's working with your assistant coaches to get better because you may have that fix in-house where you can go spend the money somewhere else where it's going to impact you more in the postseason. To your point, I'm not sure if a DJ Augustine, he was the guy that I thought of initially with the point guard, I'm not sure he's the one that puts you on top over Denver. I mean, who who knows if that's the case or not. But now, I mean, you're going to have Doc back, and this is a pretty important offseason, and you and I have discussed this before. It, It really could get to a point 
that this could be the final year that you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and both guys could leave. By the way, I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be a very clipper thing with the way things have gone in their history to go and give away all these draft picks. And I mentioned before, I think I tweeted out too, that they basically don't have any draft picks. That's not true. Um, they do have the swaps in the years that they don't have their picks because every other year you have to have your pick. So the pick may end up being in the 20s. So for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's very possible that they, the picks don't matter because we saw that the Clippers, I mean, who knows if they're going to get somebody in the 20s that's actually going to matter. So if we consider they're not going to draft somebody that matters in the 20s, then yeah, I mean, you could be without Kawhi, you could be without Paul George, and you could be screwed picks-wise. And so this really is the most important offseason um, since last offseason. I mean, I would say last offseason is the most important Clippers history. I think this is the second most important offseason in Clippers history. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, in the, I think it was either Chris Haynes or Shams who reported that, that um, Doc will be back. So, I mean, the, their word is probably as strong as any. So um, I think it was Chris Haynes um, yeah. the, who, who reported that. So, yeah, Doc will be back. And this is an important offseason, but I, I just want to keep some perspective that the Clippers are not far away. When you talk about next year and you think about the contenders for the championship, they're going to be right in the mix. And honestly, that's exactly what you want. Um, you've got two of the best players in the NBA. You've got some really great elite top end talent. Um, but that's what this is what makes um this is what makes championship teams is not so much the top end talent. We already know you have to have a LeBron or a Kawhi in order to win a championship, but you really need the support players who are as championship friendly as possible. And I think that's where the Clippers made their stumble this season, because you look at it, they were the second seed in the West, but they had two guys averaging close to 40 plus points a game together in Lou and Trez. And those are two guys who notoriously were struggled in the playoffs, who we kind of knew were going to struggle in the playoffs. And so I think this offseason will be important towards just reshaping the roster in a way that's a little more championship friendly and filling the team up more with guys who won't won't hemorrhage points and who'll be competent offensively when the moment of truth comes when it when the playoffs arrive you know so just reshaping the roster and finding more championship friendly players is going to be key because i look at the los angeles lakers and that's what i see more than anything um they've got guys who are competent around lebron and ad who don't go outside of their role who make open shots who compete and play hard and don't and don't hemorrhage points you know and so i think that's one of the models that um those are certain things that we may need to steal from them moving forward and that's how i think we we could get better in the offseason is on the ancillary parts yeah good points uh, so if you had to do your top three most important things to get done during the off season. I'll give you mine first, so I can give you a mm -hmm. give you a minute to think. I think number one would be finding a capable big man that you can play behind Zoo. I think that's something we saw that's critically important. Um, I think that would be number one. Number two would be to make sure you re-sign Jermichael Green. I, th I think that what he does with your ability to spread the floor and to get guys where you can switch a bunch of different things. And his three-point shooting just makes a lot of sense. 
And, and number three would probably be to re-sign Marcus Morris. I think that he was a nice addition. Um, you can look back and say the Clippers probably would have been better off getting a guy like Tristan Thompson, per- perhaps, that would have been better as a backup center if they were able to trade Montrez Harrell and they had a guy like Jermichael Green who could have very well stepped into the place that Mar- Marcus Morris did, although Marcus Morris is much more of a scorer, I think. Um, so I think that would be my top three. W- what would you put as your top three? Um, you probably stole all three of mine. and I- I- I'll Same order? It a little bit, but exact same order. Exact mm-hmm. same order. Um, number one, I've, I mean, they lost the series in the minutes that Trez played um, – um, against Zoo, I mean, Tres played against Jokic. Like, I think he was a minus fifty, a minus fifty, yeah. right? In Not a good. series, in a series in which I think Denver outscored the Clippers by like three points over those seven games, being outscored by fifty in those minutes with Trez and and Jokic is on the on the floor is it speaks volumes, and that is that is huge. It's huge moving forward, and it's number one by a long margin. They've got they've got to nail. They have to nail the backup um, center position, which leads to the next point that you mentioned, which is re-signing to Michael Green, and that's something that honestly, um, you know, I don't th- I, I I push back on people talking that saying that Doc is like terrible as a coach, yada yada yada. I I, I push back on that. But one of the things that I didn't like is the way he handled Jermichael Green's minutes all year. Um, towards the end of the playoff run, you saw him ex- playing playing um, Jermichael more at the five and trying to balance that with Trez and things like that. And I really wish he and the front office would have just committed to Jermichael being the backup five full time. Um, at least a lot more during the regular season. And that goes back to our point of treating the regular season more like the playoffs and in the playoffs Jermichael Green would have been somebody that you would have needed a lot more out of so using him as the backup five more than Montrez Harold would have been great practice great process for the playoffs when it was something that we needed to call upon um he was the best player on the he was the best player off the bench from the Clippers this postseason by far I love him I think if he resigns along with the number three point um, resigning Marcus Morris, I think the Clippers have as good of a top seven as any in the NBA. And this is what I mean. Like they just need some ancillary parts to shore up. But those are the those are the three. And um, Marcus Morris, um, I've been high on him since he came he since he came along on the Clippers. Um, his first year with us was truncated due to COVID and the pandemic. But I would be anxious to see an actual whole season with us just from a chemistry standpoint. Um, I actually like the way that he fit in with us. Um, he wasn't a ball stopper. Um, he was somebody who we could go to to create some points. And he's going to be important when Kawhi Leonard sits back to backs. Right. He's a guy that in the middle of a January in the middle of a January 22nd game, we can go to him and have him just like carry the load for us just for a game. If it's like on a back to back with Kawhi or something like that. So we have the same top three. I just think it's just incredibly, incredibly important that they nailed that backup center position, because if they don't. Um, we're looking at potentially the same problem um, moving forward. Yeah, I would agree. I'll, I'll leave you with this one. What are you rooting for now in the rest of the way? I mean, I know you haven't watched a ton 
since the Clippers were eliminated. I mean, uh, I'll be frank. I'm rooting, obviously, for the Lakers to lose in the finals. Um, do you have a preference, Miami or uh, Boston? Or or I'm assuming you want the Lakers to lose as well in the finals, so you're rooting for one of those two. Uh, I'd like to see Miami. Uh, what about you? Um, I 100% would want to see the Lakers lose yeah. to any any of these teams. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I've watched I've watched the um, Eastern Conference final. So mm-hmm. I watched that. That's been incredibly entertaining. Um, I feel like B- Boston, even though they got down three one, I honestly it honestly looks like they've been the better team. Um, they've had so many moments in this series where they've been up by like 15, up by like 18 and things like that. And so I think game six is tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that I'm, I'm going to be tuned into um, as far as preference there. Um, I'll, I'll probably have to go, um, Celtics and I, I, I'm a little bit biased here just because like I did some internship work with Drew Hanlon, who's, um, Jason Tatum's personal trainer. And I got a chance to see JT, um, in person a couple of times, work with him a couple of times, just, just, just watching him, um, work. And, um, and I've always felt like Boston was almost Clippers East in their makeup. And so I've, from afar, I've been rooting for them. Um, they're just a really great watch. They have tons of great wings from Hayward to Brown to Tatum and, you know, Kimba. Kimba's great. And so I, I enjoy watching them play. Um, I also enjoy watching Duncan Robinson shoot and his movement off the ball is incredible. Um, Spo is fantastic. I'm kind of jealous of Miami's um, coaching staff and, and what they do over there. And how they're able to um, be so flexible as far as zoning and defense and stuff like that. So um, that's an entertaining series. I can't wait for game six. I hope it goes to full seven. Um, and whoever wins beats the Lakers. But I'm, I'm rooting for the Celtics in that one. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if this is correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Miami may match up a little bit better. Um, I know Boston, obviously, they have those guys in Tatum and Brown and Kemba that would cause problems. And uh, I just think that in terms of... No, I agree with you on this, by the way. Yeah, I think Bam against Anthony Davis would be yep, a decent yep. matchup. And then Jimmy Butler against LeBron. Uh, I just think those two. And then you have guys like Hero and Duncan Robinson and Drogic that can all kind of go crazy on the side. And I think the two biggest guys are obviously AD and LeBron. And you have somebody that can not stop them, but slow them down and give them problems on both the offensive and defensive end. <laughs> I think either of these two teams are going to be the best defense that the Lakers face by far. Yeah, by far. Yeah, no doubt. By far. And um, the 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 level of play in the Eastern Conference playoffs, honestly, has been higher than the than the West. When you look at the Raptors and you look at the Heat and you look at the Celtics and you just at least when I watch the level of play and the level of competition is just a little bit feistier, a little bit higher. But to your point, I totally agree. Um, the Lakers' weakness is half-court offense, and the Heat have so much stuff that they can throw at the Lakers in the half-court to make them struggle. Um, even beyond the uh, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, um, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, they've also got Jay Crowder to throw at LeBron if they wanted to, and I love what they do with their zone defense when they put like all the the three biggest, longest guys in the front. And, you know, Boston has really struggled with that. But a lot of teams would would struggle with that. Like, you know, they've got um, Jones, Jones, Derek Jones Jr. 
um, at the top of their zone sometimes. And it's 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 they they've got a lot of things that they can do. Um, and Spolstra is just fantastic, and he leaves no stone unturned defensively. And so they present a lot of defensive issues that if you're looking at a team that could maybe beat the Lakers in a play, in a finals, um, I'm rooting for the Celtics, but I'd probably lean that Miami would probably be a little bit more um, more able from a defensive standpoint to hold their own. Because when you're looking at the Lakers, that's probably the thing that you have to worry about most is who can competently guard Anthony Davis and keep him off the free throw line and who can competently guard LeBron James and keep him off the free throw line as well. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on the heat. Yeah, uh, it's going to be, it'll be good either way. And I think that the Lakers will get a test either way. I just hope that their asses go home so that they can end up with the same result as the Clippers. Cause if I have to hear people in Los Angeles about the Lakers and all that nonsense, uh, I don't know. I just no, don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Um, I say this from the bottom of my heart, man. A big thank you to you coming on, not just today, because honestly, this 40 minutes flies by in a half a second, it feels like. But a big thank you to you joining throughout the entire season. Your insight's been incredible. It's been amazing listening to you. I feel like I get to know basketball better by listening to you and your willingness to jump on whenever I reach out. It's been a huge contribution to this podcast. For everybody listening, our highest listened to podcast was with Justin, and I believe our second highest listened to podcast was with Justin as well. So a big thank you, Justin, and I'm looking forward to having you on throughout the offseason when there's some movement and obviously next year as well. And that's actually what I was going to say. Like, um, hopefully when we get some news in the offseason, um, if you'll have me, I'll be glad to um, – I'll be I'll be glad to hop back on. Um, but, you know, the pleasure is all mine, man. Like, I, I really feel grateful that um, you reach out to me to get have me on here. And, um, you know, I really do appreciate it. Um, we're at the end of the day. We're both just Clipper fans um, giving our viewpoints on what we see. And we all want the same results. And that's not the results that we had this year. Um, but it is what it is. And I, you I'll, I'll leave I'll leave with some perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always like to say that the Clippers have never been a real they weren't a real NBA legitimate franchise until Steve Ballmer came on. And if you look at what's happened on a macro level since Steve Ballmer has joined has has become um, our governor. It's been a lot. It's been it's been it's been fantastic. And the results may have not initially come, but like success and championships don't happen overnight. And given where the Clippers have come, the last six years have been great and they are trending in the right direction. So any Clipper fans that is hearing this, I would suggest to be incredibly optimistic moving forward. Um, I'd be very surprised if the Clippers don't win a championship within the next couple of years, just given the leadership that they have in the front office, just given the governor that they have. Um, they've got Kawhi Leonard. They've got Paul George. I'm confident in Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger in the front office. I think this will be a great offseason, and I think the Clippers will be right in the mix for a title next year. Hopefully it will be in our home arenas. For next season, that's something that I didn't get to at the on, in the pod. I think Shams kind of tweeted that um, that he kind of hinted at the 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 NBA getting back to reg to to arenas. So hopefully we'll be back in Staples next year and um, we'll give it a go because 
this team has got just as good of a shot as any to win it all next year. And we'll be right here on along the ride with him. Yes, sir. You can follow him on Twitter at LA Clippers Film. He brings the best insight into the Clippers of anyone. He's just tremendous. A lot of guys that are good follows on Twitter, but I, I really enjoy what Justin does. And it's been tremendous having this guy on the podcast. So, Justin, thank you and uh, enjoy this off season because we've got a big one coming next year. Thank you. Same to you, my brother. Well, that puts a bow on the Clippers season. That was a wild one. Ups and downs. The 2019-2020 season is over. And all we have left now is the NBA Finals, and we'll see how that goes. But we'll be with you once per week to discuss what's going on with the Clippers. It'll be once per week. Most likely you'll see a podcast some point Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, depending on on when we get a guest. That really is the most important part. I'd like to have something consistently where you can go and say, hey, I go to my iTunes, which of course, by the way, if you haven't given us a five-star rating or review the podcast, you can do that. And of course, subscribe to the podcast too. But I was hoping that we could have a date, obviously, where you could go and know the podcast is going to be there. But it's going to be contingent on what guests we get and when they're available. So stay with us. We'll have a podcast per week um, at minimum until we get to the regular season or we start getting things cranked up to start. But before we go, I got to tell you, we got to pay our bills with ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But I didn't know this until recently. It's taken my TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. You heard me, other countries. Over the weekend, ExpressVPN was able to help binge Whatever you want on Netflix, Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It was so simple. You fire up the ExpressVPN app, change the location to UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. It's that simple. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You're tired of being blacked out? You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. A hundred different VPNs out there, hundreds and hundreds, but the reason I use ExpressVPN is to watch shows. It is ridiculous fa- ridiculously fast, there's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. They're compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want or on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, you can get an ex- extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. All right, folks, a big thank you to everyone that has listened throughout this entire season. This podcast is growing and growing and growing, and it's because of you, the listeners. Thank you so much for being along the ride. It had its ups, it's had its downs, ended with a very big downer, unfortunately, but I could not have done this without all of you. Without your listens, without your interactions on Twitter, it gets me going. It makes me motivated to get these good guests on the podcast. So a big thank you to you. Please still follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. Let's chat throughout the offseason. And until next time, go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.